something, please. I know this is beginning to rain outside. And we've had guys come up here, and it's my privilege. Sorry, my name is Remy. I lead Renaissance Church with my wife. I'd love to welcome you as well. And it's my privilege to bring the word today. Not that there's not many other preachers and teachers here. And there are. And I acknowledge my fellow brothers and sisters, quality leaders. They came here, they carried an anointing, and they released something of God in this place. So I'm humbled and privileged to bring the word. But one of the guys who was talking here spoke about William Booth. He said, don't just pray about revival, but be the revival. And we are talking about Christians who are worthy before God. And what I'd like us to do, friends, otherwise we're mere talk, and we don't walk the walk. And it's beginning to rain outside. And my Bible tells me that Jesus spoke to the rain. Jesus spoke to the wind. Oh, that sounds a bit dangerous now, doesn't it? It's all very well reading about it. It's all very well saying we believe it. But who's going to be it? There's three people who are going to be it. Because friends, until we can be what we read and do what we say that we believe in. So, there's another passage, 1 Samuel chapter 14, where Jonathan said, perhaps the Lord will. So why don't we just turn around, face outside. And perhaps... Like Jonathan said, the Lord will act on our behalf, whether by many or by few. But like the Hebrew boy said, even if he does not, we will not bow the knee to unbelief and we will not bow the knee to the enemy. Can you say amen? amen. So Father, we thank you that you've heard the prayers of your people in Jesus' name. Amen. And as many of you can gather, let's gather together. We'll try not to be too long in the word. I only take two hours often. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we've got a baptism later on as well. Because as I begin what I say to you today, is that as a church, Renaissance Church, you guys will know this. God said to us at the beginning of January 2020, before we went into what has been the year that has been, he said to us that he is going to do a new thing. And he said to us, it's not going to be business as usual. And he said to us, we're going to need another level of faith. And my God, after the year that we have had just gone, how many of you know that we need God to do a new thing in our lives? Okay, that's five people. You don't really have to speak back to me. I'm just going to keep on going, but it will just help you if you do, and we might get something going on here. But how many of you know that we need God to do a new thing in our lives? After the year that we have all had, not just individuals, but in this city and in this nation and in the world, we cannot have business as usual. We can't go back to how it was before. So therefore, we're going to need a new level of faith. Can somebody say amen to me? So I want to talk to you about a new level of faith. But before I carry on, I want to just say something which may surprise you as a person, 
may surprise you as a Christian, may surprise you as a God-loving person, somebody who's here who wants to believe God to do good things. How many people believe God to do great things? How many people believe God to do great things? And we all do. We must do. We're Christians. That's part of the package. When you become born again, it's expected of you to believe God to do big things. But I'm going to say something which might just surprise you. Though we say it, that we want God to do big things, though we think it, though we sing it, there's actually something inside of you in the natural realm, in the natural, which actually pushes against the very thing that God wants to do. So you say, God, we want you to bless us. We say, God, we want you to do great things. But I want to challenge you and maybe point out to us and maybe surprise us that there's something about us and about you in the natural which actually pushes against the very thing that you're believing and asking God to do. There's a very strange passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 21 and 23. It says these words, you may have read it, It says that there are four things that cause the earth to tremble and cause the earth to quake. Now imagine the earth. It's a pretty big place, yes? And I did my maths and research, and the earth weighs six times ten to the power of 24. For those of you who are geeky people who are maths, that's a big weight. But the Bible says that there's some things which cause the earth to tremble and to quake and to push against it. And then it begins to name four things. And it says the first one is a slave when it becomes a king. Or a fool when the fool is full of food. Or an unloved woman when she gets married. Or a maidservant who displaces her mistress. Under those four things, the earth trembles. The earth quakes. Because in the natural to the earth, it does not feel right. It does not make sense that a slave would become a king. So the earth trembles and pushes against that very thing. Does that make sense to you? And the reason the earth trembles and quakes and almost cries out, No! This is not right! A slave should not be a king! A woman should not be unloved in a marriage! It does not feel right! It doesn't make sense! And the earth trembles and buckles against it and cannot handle that. My voice is a bit hoarse because we've been singing earlier on, as you well know. (laughs) At last, we can sing. But then when you sing, you need to know how to sing so you can rescue your voice. (laughs) But the earth trembles. Why? Because, friends, when a slave, a slave is born into insignificance. A slave is born thinking that he is not important. A slave is born thinking he's not worthy. So should a slave become a king? 
Should a person who thinks they're unimportant, insignificant, and not worthy, therefore become a king? Although he is a king on the outside, he's still a slave on the inside. And therefore, the position that he now occupies, which he's meant to use to bless people, to release the blessing of God, that very position can end up becoming one of destruction. And he destroys the very thing that's meant to be a blessing. Are you understanding me, friends? And then the situation becomes unbearable and the earth cannot bear it, cannot handle it, pushes against it. Thank you, my friend. That should help. I wonder if you got some lozenges. I love to sing as well, so maybe I should have remembered I was going to preach, so I just kept quiet. <laughs> so if you understand the principle, let me now apply it to ourselves, friends. Because we have told ourselves, and either you've told yourself or you've been told for so long that you're insignificant that you're unimportant, that you're not worthy. We've had that dropped into us from knee-high to a grasshopper. I was raised a Catholic, and they would sing or speak this word, Lord, we are not worthy to receive you under our roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. I only discovered the other day where that passage is from. Although it's a liturgical thing that they say in the Roman Catholic Church, they took it from Luke chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 8, where Jesus went to heal the centurion's servant. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And it sounds good, doesn't it? But because we've been told for so long we're unimportant, insignificant, and not worthy, then despite the fact that God wants to do a new thing, then something inside you will push against the very thing that he wants to do. So we can think it, friends. We can speak it. But until we know within our being. So like, I think it was Chris who said earlier on, William Booth said, don't pray for a revival, be a revival. But we will stand here and we will pray to God and we will ask God to do the very things that God says that you and I should do. Like a man said of old, if the Spirit of God does not move me, I will move the Spirit. And until we break that sense, however humble, however good, however religious it sounds, To approach him because you and I know he is worthy. You and I know there is nobody like him. You and I know God is the greatest. You and I know there is no one 
yet he has made you to be like his son. Like his very son. So until you and I can, like Jesus, stand before the Father, fully worthy, fully knowing we're accepted, we're going to continue to be like a slave and something inside us will push against the thing that God wants to do. And the natural order will cry out, no. But the Bible says that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons and of the daughters of the living God. Are there any sons of God here? Are there any daughters of God here? There's about five. There's about five sons and daughters, friends. And it may sound good, but until you can cross that in your mind, cross that in your heart, then it's mere prattle. You and I can go to man. And you can lay your hands on him and command ears be opened. Like Paul said, why should we consider it incredible that God would raise the dead? This is our God, friends. But more than God, this is you. And he says, one person. This is not just God. This is you. Listen, until you can break that, I'm preaching the way I'm preaching because that's who I am. But often you will stand up here and you will defer to the atmosphere, to people, and the anointing doesn't flow because we're all carrying under whatever we think we're carrying. And the lady there is trying to encourage us to be who you're meant to be. And in the midst of Christians, people where you're meant to feel safe to be who you are. If you can't be yourself and safe here, how will you ever be the same out there? Try it again, sister. in the natural to the same extent that it does not feel right to the earth that a slave would become a king that it doesn't make sense to the earth it does not make sense in the natural that he who is the lily of the valley that he who is the brighter morning star that he who is worthy of all honor and all glory and all accolade it does not make sense to the natural man that he should come down from his throne and he should lower himself to invite you to be like him. <laughs> 
It doesn't make sense in the natural. Therefore, we will push against it. But until you can accept that, then, friends, we are in danger of having business as usual and not seeing God do a new thing and walking in yesterday's anointing. But it is time. I declare. I declare. I declare. It is time for a new thing. It is time for business, not as usual, but for us to see God do something in my life, in my family's life, in our church, and in your home, and in our churches, in the network, and in Nottingham. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Can you say amen? And that is what we're dealing with today, friends. We could be longer, but you've got the essence of the word, yes? So because we want to do a new thing, I know we've met here before, years gone by, and got to do it again. Not just what he did yesterday, but do greater. Not because somebody else is coming, but because I am here. <laughs> And because you are here. Uh-huh. And because we've never done this before, we're going to have a baptism here. And maybe the next time we do this, perhaps there'll be people gathered around and there'll be such a move of the Holy Ghost that after the people get baptized, somebody will be running up to the front. I have to give my life to Jesus. And they said, I didn't bring a towel. I didn't bring a change of clothing, but I must be baptized today. So because faith is not mere talking, but you have to do the action, I'm going to invite my friend Scott to come and join me up front here. Welcome him as he comes forth. Listen, you've got to go for it. Even if the Lord does not show up, he will show up because you've shown up. And every action done in faith accomplishes something. Can you say amen? amen. So this is Scott Richardson. <laughs> Bonjour. Bonjour. <laughs> Scott became a Christian about a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, at our church. And he is former boxer. So he will say to you, that's why his nose looks the way it is. <laughs> but it's only because he says that, not because I say that. I wouldn't say anything other than what Scott has said publicly. And he has been wanting to get baptized. He's a man who epitomizes somebody who is hungry and on fire for God. So we thought, why don't we take the opportunity when we are here, out here today to make a statement that this is the first fruits of many more. So in a few moments, we're going to baptize him in there. But his testimony, his good wife is there. Claire. Hi, Claire. And these guys love the Lord. And he has been witnessing to his boxing fraternity from day one. You just cannot shut him up. 
and he let them know he's going to get baptized. And today we're going to take the opportunity. Martin uh, Radford and I are going to baptize him. So Martin, if you can make your way up front as well, friends. And after we finish baptizing, we're going to just allow the musicians to play again. But we want to pray. Because we need to break something over our lives. That we might walk in the authority of who God says that we are. And after we've finished praying, if you actually do need somebody to agree with you in prayer, we know it's social distancing, but that's fine. Actually, the Bible was there before social distancing because Jesus didn't have to lay hands on anybody. The Bible says he merely spoke the word and they were healed. So we will have some people up the front who can speak the word over you and you shall be healed. Can you say amen? amen. So, Scott, you are ready. He wanted me to say something on his behalf in terms of how he loved the Lord how he's been growing in his faith, because um, although you guys look lovely, and you look wonderful, and you look safe, <laughs> they'd rather we just express something on his behalf. So friend, we're going to ask you, um, what is the confession of your faith in the moment where we get to baptize you? And um, he's going to confess and say that I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I renounce the devil and all his works. And on the confession of his faith, and then Martin and I are going to have the privilege of just baptizing him. The water is warm. We've done our best. It's not ice cold, but it is a little. <laughs> but it's warm enough. He's a big, strong man, isn't he? Okay. So I think, um, yeah. are we having a bit of a relay? But anyway, as many of you who can, socially distance, safe, who want to see, particularly his family, then you can come and join us around there. But we're now going to go and baptize him.